What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have Ben Went. Ben wears a whole bunch of different hats. He is co-owner of one of my favorite venues in Kansas City called The Rhino, and he also is the production manager there. He also hosts a podcast called Ope Radio, which drops weekly where he highlights Kansas City and regional bands from the area. And on top of that, he is the front man for the band, The Way Way Back. Now, in this episode, Ben shares with us uh, the heartbreaking story of losing his son, Ezra, just shortly after he was born and how that moment propelled him into some very, very dark days. And he also breaks down how it was community and the willingness to make his mental health a priority, which helped him climb out of those dark days. And though we deal with a ton of heavy topics in this episode, Ben also brings a whole lot of laughter, uh, his heart to make other people feel good, feel happy, and to bring joy to them just shines through. It's a great episode. You're going to enjoy it. The Live and Create Podcast. You are doing a bunch of things. You're you're doing all sorts of great things here in Kansas City. Um, You know, you got the podcast, Ope, um, which I I wasn't aware of that until we were in New York City one time on tour. And then Ben Byard, our old bass player, was like, you realize you say this like all the time. We all do. And then the the rest of the tour, I was like, Ope, oh, like the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm so Midwest. Oh, yeah. I wanted to pretend it, I, I was like cooler than just the Midwest. And I realized like, no, I'm embracing it. Cause that's, that's who I am. I grew up yeah. here. And, uh, and then you, you have the way back band, right? Yeah. The way, way back, way, yeah. way back. Yeah. An- another way. way I, you didn't go far enough. I did not go far I, enough. Yeah, man, we're getting old. It's <laughs> way, way back. Yeah. Way, way back. And finally yeah, starting yeah, yeah. to book shows again at the Rhino. So Finally, man. right? Yeah, feeling good about that. Yeah, dude, it feels really good to you know, um, I, you know, don't want to get ahead of myself, but just like to see some light coming through at the end of the tunnel, you know, like that just feels fantastic. I've got both my Fauci ouchies. Uh, my both my parents <laughs> are vaccinated. My my wife just got vaccinated. Um, you know, the numbers have been steadily declining uh for like honestly it's like six straight weeks i'm pretty sure yeah. you know and, and and the numbers in specifically in kansas city have been very good for about two full months basically since that christmas bump bounced and then uh yeah i i, I think um i think we're just slowly but surely going to just tread towards normal and you know we're starting to talk to to bands about uh ticketed assigned seat spread out we've done a couple trials actually last night um i've got a fun thing that i'll talk about in a little bit but like we had a we had a a kind of a test run for some comedy and had about about 15 to 20 people in there and i think nice. it felt very spread out and safe and um yeah i mean we're, we're, we're headed towards a degree of normalcy which is great because we haven't even had a freaking shred of it for the last year so right i think it's one of those things where like we're so deprived that even even something that kind of tastes like normalcy or looks like normalcy even even if it's not the full uncut real thing i, I think we'll take half we'll take half calf you know yeah, like absolutely sure. when well, you haven't had coffee yeah. forever like you take yeah, half exactly. calf right now because your cup was empty <laughs> yes yes exactly yeah yeah yeah. after spilling an entire cup of coffee on my laptop i, I would take yeah i wish i had an intern right now uh, <laughs> You're like, go, fill it up grab. fill it up one 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 step at a time <laughs> that, that'll be next year right but man yeah i feel you it 
it feels like the gears, I, I think I've described it in the podcast, maybe way too many times in different interviews. It feels like the gears are starting to slowly move. It's like, you can hear everything firing up. Uh, it's almost like being in an office yeah. building where the lights start coming on. You can hear the power clicking in and, and it's exciting. It's yeah. very, very exciting. And there's folks like you who have been fighting uh, for, you know, the whole time to try to figure out how can you keep these venues alive? How can, uh, how can you fight for artists uh, during it? I, Zach Henderson was one of the interviews I did a while back and, and he got to tell the story yeah, yeah, of, listened, of shifting it. from yeah. the Rhino uh, or from Colony, you know, and all, all the shifts you guys have been making just to try to help it stay alive. Now, one thing you are very clearly, you, you're very clearly passionate about artists and about specifically Kansas City artists, Midwest uh, in general, but like the Kansas City area, I guess we would say. And where, because yeah. I, I want to get into so many different things, but I'd love to start with where does that passion come from? For you because it seems to be your it, it almost seems to be like you breathe it yeah so i think uh, it doesn't hurt that i'm kansas city born and raised i uh, other than um for in college i went to school in warrensburg which is like an hour away and kind of a suitcase school almost all my friends and people would come home to either to st louis or kansas city on the weekends anyway and i was in bands and stuff and there really wasn't a lot of great stage time in warrensburg there might be now, I'm not sure. Um, so so I came home almost every weekend anyway. So really my entire life I've lived in Kansas City. And so, uh, you know, this, this is my home in every possible way. And then I think it really comes from a mixture of my just genuine love of music and then the fact that I'm a very family-centric, friend-centric person. Like I'm definitely a Hufflepuff if I go to Hogwarts and I'm... I'm, I'm um, I'm just drawn to people. I, I, I've, I've never met a stranger. I want to, when I die, I want as many friends to have made as many friends as possible. And, um, I, I, I just, I, I love people. I love humans. I'm, I'm an optimist and I know humans can do horrible, awful things, but most of the people I meet tend to be really wonderful. And, uh, so I, th I think it's this weird blend of, I just happen to just be very, very passionate about music and then I'm also innately passionate about my friends and and pleasant acquaintances and whatever it is they do. So I tend to find myself drawn towards a lot of musicians. And I just very much, uh, I've, I've always had a mentality of uh, a rising tide lifts all boats and, and, and just, I'm, I've never really understood when artists <laughs> wanna compete with each other and fight with each other. I've always just seen um, I don't know, like if you're on a bill with two other bands, you know, I remember being younger and, you know, I've been in bands for over half my life now in, in, in the scene. And I remember being younger and bands fighting about who gets to go last, who's the headliner, who's that. And, and I was like, I always thought what mattered more is like, can we all make sure that we bring at least 30 people? Because if all four bands bring 30 people, then 120 people are going to be here. You right. know, focus and on the right I, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and so I, I don't know. I, I would definitely say that a lot of that has to do, again, with the fact that I, I am just very family and friend oriented. And then I happen to also just love music. So those two things kind of, I think, organically add up to to my passion. Right. And it, it seems like, you know, I, I saw you, I think we first met when you started booking at the Rhino. Um, I think the first, first time I met you was at Zarbar with the UKs who at the time were the Uncountable Kings. No shit. And my band Crystal Baller okay. and your band Run With It. I'm almost positive. Damn. I think it was the very first time we met. And then we probably so we had to go way, way back, if you will. 
we had to go way, way back. Yeah. That's, yeah. Two yeah. dads are yeah. going to be a lot of dad jokes. That's <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, the only reason there won't be more is because I, again, dumped my entire cup of coffee on my keyboard. So as we know, caffeine is also dad joke juice. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's, that's cool, man. I, I feel bad. I don't, I, I like vaguely remember that show. I remember that's where uh, Noah and I first uh, started becoming friends during that time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love what what he's done, what the UK's uh, were doing, and and all that. But but man, you you then grew it in uh, doing the open mic nights, and which I think it, it was beautiful to see. I got to see a few different ones, and beautiful to see just different artists. Uh, some who were just starting out, some who have been playing. Um, and, and seeing a place for people to develop and grow. Uh, where does the idea of, of helping people develop their craft come yeah. from? Yeah, so I always think back to um, the people who helped me and who were there for me <laughs> when I was young and getting started in local music. And I mean, I was, I was in bands in seventh and eighth grade. I mean, I was, in, I was in bands and getting a little bit of stage time here and there. From from people who shouldn't probably have been even giving me stage time and 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 you know good advice from recording because I, I was a child and, and they shouldn't uh, have been wasting their time with with me and my skate punk band. Um, but uh, but I, I I think you know when I when I heard that the Rhino was opening, I was friends with um with, with Zach and Drew and 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 um just I literally said like I'll quit my job tomorrow if if you put me in charge of it. I, I've always my dream has always been to own and run um, a music venue because I've always wanted to create the kind of music venue that I would want to play at. You know, I think because I have so much experience on both sides of the microphone, I know what it feels like when you walk into a venue to perform. I I know what it feels like when the sound guy's snarky at you. I also know what it's like when you're the sound guy and the lead guitarist won't turn his damn amp down, you know? And and he's like, sure. And he just keeps cranking it up. You're like, what the, right. Right. You know, and I've experienced all of it from, from every angle. And so I think I kind of speak uh, both languages, you know, and and so I, I I always I my goal is to always make sure it's just like a great experience for everyone from every possible vantage point, and stuff like song lab or open mic and things like that. I I um I I just always kind of asked myself like why why do open mics have a reputation of not being good? Like hmm. like is there actually a reason or is it just that people are lazy and throw a microphone on stage and it's like could you invest 30% more care and make the product 80% better? And then wouldn't that beget better talent? And then suddenly isn't the product 150% better? Boom. And then isn't that going to beget more talent? And then isn't that going to make the product 300% better? All because you put 30% more effort into it. And I like this math. Uh, I want yeah, that kind of math. I, yeah, you know, and I, and I wish I were an actual mathematician. Uh, but that's, <laughs> hey, you know, my approximation. I'm a, I'm a musician. Like, it works for me. I'm like, yeah, it sounds yeah. reasonable. <laughs> Four, yeah, I just need to count to four or occasionally six. A, <laughs> one know, time I was, song. One time I was yeah. in a group of all musicians. We were all standing there and someone came up and asked like, hey, real quick, uh, I forget what they were working on, but they literally asked us this math equation and we all just, we all just stared at them. And finally, we all realized we were all just waiting for someone else to, to like answer it because we're like, we don't even want to yeah. do on this. Yeah, yeah. How many musicians does it take to unscrew a light bulb? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Nice. Uh, See, you got the dad jokes are coming in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, in my head, that made sense, but I don't know if that's But you're, so again, your goal uh, <laughs> is to, if I can put the energy in uh, to these yeah, artists, like, we can see I show a great up, bigger right. response. If I show up 30 minutes earlier and make sure that like the seating is comfortable and make sure that like, 
if I make sure that all of the DI boxes are on stage and ready to go, so it runs just a little tighter, if I make sure that we're using halfway decent microphones, if I share some of my gear so that like, you know, like what I have found a lot of the time will happen is like, we'll have like a really talented friend who's up there like, like Jake Wells or Paige Turner. And then it, they'll say, oh, well I would play, but I don't have my guitar. And I'm like, good, I have my guitar, get on Boom. the stage, you know? And like- uh, I think just you gave me a capo the night I play. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, Save my I've, shared, ass. I've shared many a capo. <laughs> and so that's my thing, you know, take away the barriers to entry. And, and then if you, again, it, like, I think that if you build it and if it has a reputation of, no, this is quality stage time. No, there's actually an audience here. No, they're like, they're actual, you know, like, I, I think that that just will beget more of itself. It, it will just build onto itself. And, and again, like it all starts by putting just a little more effort. And I don't think it actually ever ends up taking more than that initial push, but mm. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And one thing, again, I've only been there a few times, but the thing that really stuck out to me is that it seemed like that family vibe where you said the family and friends oh, are so important time. to you. Uh, I think that part of your personality has bled over into the culture that you're creating there. And it was really inspiring. And, and it reminded me, I think there's a place, I think it's called the Valor out in Provo. If I, I don't know if I'm getting the place right, the name right, but it's like where Imagine Dragons got their start and everything and they do open mics. And I had an opportunity, I was like touring through and I had an opportunity to jump in. And that was the vibe that they had created. They spent years creating this supportive vibe where like, I felt like I made a ton of friends that night. And I feel like that is what you are building and creating. And it's amazing to think about what you, the, the extra 30% you're putting into it. Uh, what that will mean, even five years down the road, what artists will come out of that, uh, who sure. who will grow and, you know, obviously the relationships, but even the success that I think some of those artists uh, who may be afraid to even get up in front of people for the first time, maybe one day those people will be playing Sprint Center. And that's an inspiring thought. And cool. I think you're creating a culture that that looks like that. And that's really cool. Definitely trying. And, you know, I mean, like, it's cool how many bands have actually formed out of this where you like, you've got people who come and it's like, Hey, actually, I know I played guitar tonight, but I'm a drummer and I'm looking to start a, a band. Uh, if, if you're interested, come talk to me. I'll buy you a beer. And then like two or, two or three bands that tour around, like not tour around, but gig around the city have come out of it. And and a lot of friends. And then I, what I also notice is that when I book, when I book the, the regulars for like actual shows, um, uh, the audiences are bigger because a lot of the people who come see them at open mic night and also play the open mic night come out to support that too you know I mean so it's like um I think that there are some in addition to it just being like a very nice family community and, and all of that there's also some really great um professional you know rewards there's some extrinsic rewards affiliated with it which is like because you're coming to this mic night where there's pretty decent stage time and a lot of time uh, a bit of a crowd now all of a sudden you've got more people coming to your actual paid gigs and things like that and absolutely I mean, that's obviously a win-win situation yeah because yeah, it's it, you know i i'm sure you've had those nights where you walk out and there's like five people on stage and you're like oh yeah it's oh, it's damn. uh that's that's tough stuff <laughs> I, I i have been very blessed i haven't had a gig like that in a minute and i feel very very lucky um but I think that's also, I mean, like you're, you're big into this, you know, I, I over, as I get older, I become really, really particular with which gigs I book for myself and um, how I promote. And, you know, um, I think when I was younger, it was like, let's just get out there. Let's play 24 times a year. Let's play 30 times a year. And then it's like, 
okay, well, you, I mean, like your friends are only going to come see you so many times. So like, right. you know, who's coming, like, can you <clears throat> write down a piece of paper? Who, who's coming to see you, you know? And uh, if that number is just, you know, if that's a depressingly short list, then, you know, don't take the gig unless, well, unless you really want to, you know, it, it's not all about playing for people, but at, at this point in my, my advanced age, I, I, I tend to say, yeah, if there, if there aren't at least 30 or 40 people there, then it, it's, it ends up bumming me out more than it, fills me although actually i haven't had stage time in so long but maybe now playing you're like i don't care just put me up there plug me in let's do this yeah going back to that diluted version of the real thing maybe at this point i actually would be fine (laughs) i'm playing to two or three people (laughs) that's amazing well and with that idea uh the diluted version the the world slowly coming back online uh as i've been reflecting this last year because you know all of our worlds got turned upside down obviously sure there's there's key lessons that I've learned personally that I'm trying to, cause I'm getting so excited. I just want to hit the ground running, but I realize there's things I learned over the year that I want to make sure I build in those lessons and not forget them. Cause I think they're unique to having a, a, a lot of time on my hands. I'm wondering for you, are there any lessons over this last year that, that you want to hold on to? You, you want to make sure that as the world comes yeah. back, you don't let go. Definitely. So, I mean, I, the big one for me is just that, um, I, I, it's just that work for the sake of work is even less valuable than I thought it was. And that I don't think I will, you know, I'm very privileged to be able to say this. Um, but like my wife is a teacher mm-hmm. and, you know, teachers don't make like a lot of money, but they make consistent money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, um, we, the, it's us and my two daughters, you know, relatively small family. Like, I think that I don't ever plan to take another job ever again that doesn't just feel like truly life fulfilling, you know, like we're going to be able to get by and pay the bills and and live in our house, you know, and, and, and make rent. And, and we, we don't we, we might not clear much more than that. But I am realizing that seeing my family and spending time with my family not that I ever doubted this, but I think it's even more valuable than I thought it was. And it's even more important than I thought it was. Right. And then on top of that, when I am doing work, I, I, I already mostly was in this wheelhouse, but I'm really going to double down on it. I don't really plan to ever work again unless it's generating light and hope and fun for other people. I don't, I don't really ever plan on working another shift in my life that isn't in some way causing other people to have a better day. I just, I just don't really have any interest in that. And I, I already had a, I think compared to most people, a very diminished interest in it, but anything that was left of that over this past year is, is dead now, which is gone. (laughs) Was it a, was it because you saw that, Hey, we were able to survive even though the world shut down or was it something else that big part of it? The other part of it is the last year before was a, mad dash me really trying to advance my if you will career in a lot of ways I was working um I was working about basically 40 hours a week at Boulevard in my uh leadership role there um at at the rec deck no and I have zero hard feelings towards Boulevard had a good experience there but I I was let go in the summer because uh you know they had to downsize quite a bit and it ended up being a robust thing in disguise for me, I, I think, because I was doing that. And I, and I was also still the production manager of the Rhino. So I was still working at the Rhino on on site 
at least once, usually twice a week. And then also frequently, you know, making sure that stopping by to make sure bands were loading in okay, stopping by to make sure that, oh, hey, there's something weird's going on with the soundboard. What's what's going on? You know, and so I mean, like, I really was in every possible way working seven days a week and spending a lot of time away from my family. And, and you know, a lot of the hustle I poured in in that year has directly led to some really great things, but actually most of it didn't. And I don't mm. mean that in a negative way. I mean mm. that in a, I think we have to stop like totally fetishizing like blind hustle and we need to mm. prioritize into concentrated focused hustle. Like, like making sure that you're devoting your energy to like, it needs to be like, I play a lot of video games and I think of like, and role-playing games, there's skill trees. And it's like, if you want to get to the point of magic missile, then uh, I'm really cool. I don't know if you know this about me, Miguel. And then like, <laughs> like, well, first you have to like do like the cantrips magic. And then you have to do like uh, arcane blast. And then you like, like if you're not in the right skill tree, hmm. you're not going to get there. And so if you're, you can't just be sinking time and energy into something that's not going to directly lead to what you want it to because even even if you are it's still going to take a lot of you and it's going right. to take a lot of time and it might not pay off exactly how you want but you need to like really stop and go is this adding up how we want it to you know like i think mm. back to my bands in high school and i had i there was a minute there where i was in a band that was getting quite a bit of popularity we were we were pop punk which was the right genre at the right time we were all about to graduate from high school and I mean, we, we could pretty consistently, if we played, if we played like in the Northland, we, we could put consistently <clears throat> pull oh, like over a hundred, sometimes even two or 300 people. Like we, we got nice. a really big pull there for about a summer and we, we became really obsessed with this idea of releasing our next record. And it, we, for whatever reason, decided it needed to be a full length album. It needed to be 12 songs. <laughs> I remember and those conversations <laughs> in my, my own band. So much time and money into it. And it never even really truly got finished. Mm. And looking back, we would have been so much better off doing a couple of singles and, you know, doing like a little regional tour. And there, there's so many other ways we could have devoted the time and energy, but we decided we want to do a full length record. And when I look back on it, the reason we really wanted to is because we wanted to get signed to a label. Well, you do the other stuff. So you get signed to a label. So the label pays for the full length record. I mean, like right. we just weren't, so we sunk so much heartache and time and money into that and just did it the wrong way, you know? And so mm. um, that's a roundabout way of saying that like this past year, I kind of stopped and thought about, the ways I was just expelling energy rather than actually, you know, putting it on a track that I wanted to be on. And, and I am really grateful. Um, I know, again, I'm speaking from a place of real privilege. So, cause so many people have lost so many yeah. family members and friends. And I've, I lost a friend, not necessarily directly to COVID, but um, I, I think a death of loneliness that was definitely a, you know, a byproduct of COVID. And um, you know, um, I'm, I, I'm fortunate that he's the only person I've lost, but I feel blessed in my little corner of the world to say that I got to see my daughters so much more than I did last year. And I got to see my wife so much more than I did last year. And I, it was exhausting and depressing. And I, <laughs> I gained 15 pounds from stress eating and drinking. Hey, and the COVID uh, weight that. was legit. I got up to like two thirty, and I was like, gosh, shit, I didn't start working out again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I think, um, I think I am really grateful for the way that it caused me to stop and go like, 
hey, you were expelling a lot of energy that wasn't leading you towards the places that you want to go. And it was also causing you to see your family less. And those, the, that mm. equation stopped making sense. The, the um, solving for X no longer really was relevant. Back yeah. to math, man. Dude, I, I, I'm a really my mathy today for some reason. Because I'm not. I, I, oh my gosh. There, there was um, in, in high school, I, um, I was, <laughs> I was dating um, this just absolutely wonderful human being. Um, and first semester, she's, she's so brilliant and I'm terrible at math. And she like was kind enough to tutor me. Um, and first semester of algebra, I had an A minus and then we broke up over Christmas break and I skated by with a D plus at the second <laughs> semester. We're like, hmm. Uh, hmm. Like, what, I, what, I, I can solve for X. What changed? <laughs> uh, yeah. But dude, no, that's, yeah. that's such a powerful lesson, man. This idea of what your inputs are and what your outputs are. Um, like I, it's funny because the full I, I laughed so hard when you said the full length thing with run with it. I really wanted a full length yeah. album. I wanted like this big thing. And uh, the producer we were working with was like, maybe you should not do that. And maybe you should do like two or three songs really, really well because of the money you have. And I was like, no, no, we are doing this for the budget we got. And he's like, OK. And so we did it. And it didn't really amount to a whole lot. Um and then yeah. it came time to record again, and I called him up. He goes, so do you want to listen to me this time? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So right. we ended up doing our EP. And it was funny because that EP and really one song in particular off of it was the one that that helped catapult us to touring all over the place and doing the things. And I learned such a powerful lesson there where sometimes less is more until you have the time and budget and the people who can dive in. Um, there's a book. It's 80-20 it's principle. Are you familiar with that? I'm, I'm uh, no, it up right now. It. I like so it's things. it's yeah. hitting it's hitting it's by a guy named Richard Koch or Koch I don't know how you say it but uh, basically he breaks down I believe can we it's say cock on this podcast? we can say cock I think it's cock Richard Koch Koch <laughs> one of those how many times can I say cock on the podcast sorry I'm twelve I'm twelve years old <laughs> dude I'm total middle schooler um, I I have four boys our oldest <laughs> is uh, is uh, sixteen and he started saying that's what she said jokes on our last vacation. And all I could yes. do is like, try so hard not to laugh. And I'm damn near in tears driving when my wife's just staring at me like, are you really laughing at that? I was like, it was really funny. But, <laughs> but yeah, so 80, 20 yeah. principle, he breaks down, I believe it's called the Pareto uh, principle where uh, he started recognizing like in agriculture, it was basically 20% of the crops were yielding 80% of the return. And so they began to apply the same principle in economics, and they're seeing it go across the board that typically 20% of the things that we do actually yield 80% of the results. And so the book, I, I'm actually reading through it right now. That's why hearing you talk about this, it was so refreshing because as I'm, I'm moving into this next phase, these next steps, I'm trying to wrestle with, like, like even, for example, with the podcast, I... I know the goals I have in other areas and I realized I was spending sometimes 15, 20 hours a week, but then had to, you know, roll back and ask myself, is it bringing me joy? You know, is it accomplishing like yeah. just getting me a 10% more bump where is that 10% even worth it? And how do I, how do I scale back the time I put in, but leverage what it is better. And uh, man, that, that is such a huge, huge principle. And that's cool that, that COVID brought that to you in a way. So even COVID, yeah, COVID brought a lot I, of I'll shitty have to things. Check that but... out. And it, it 
it rings true for sure. I mean, I, I, I do believe, you know, um, there, you know, like it's odd how often we see in the universe, like standard deviation proving to just kind of be true across almost all fields and things like that. Like an, the idea that an 80, 20 principle would true, like tend to be true amongst all fields. And you know, like, it is interesting how, how all that ends up kind of averaging out, um, you know, it's it, very fascinating, but yeah, I, I definitely, hear truth in that big time that you uh have to but then i think what's interesting when you're talking about art specifically is then Mm. like well okay but you can't just pick and choose which 20 percent it is right you know (laughs) i mean like you still got to write enough songs that 20 percent of your songs are yielding 80 percent of your streams or well it's interesting whatever your metric of success is yeah yeah and that's part of the process even for me as i've been chewing on it because it, and really he, he dives into in the book too, is what's the 20% you can pour then more into. Uh, and that's what I had to right. start asking myself. What's all the bullshit that I keep putting in my schedule. Cause I like being, I like being busy, but busyness oh sometimes is yeah. so unproductive uh, as I've seen in my own. And then I burn out and then that's super unproductive. hundred um, percent. And so I'm it's very it's similar like, to you there. It's like, how do you cut out all the bullshit as much as possible or minimize it so that, then, cause that's the thing is writing. I keep finding that keeps getting on the back burner when, as you say, it's so true. You have to dive in and you have to keep diving in every single day. How do you, you know, how do you do that if all the bullshit's in the way? And um, actually I gotta, I'm so sorry to do this. I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a quick oh, break. Let's take so, a little, little pee pee break. That's fine. <laughs> too much coffee. That's fine. I'm rubbing you. it in your face. I got, I got coffee. Yeah, you don't. bragger. <laughs> bragger no man i'm sorry for that dude you're absolutely fine we are back we are back rolling one time when i first started we back when i first started the podcast i would use a lapel mic and i i had to take a bathroom break and i i forgot that the lapel mic was on luckily it wasn't tied into the zoom but when i went back to edit i i just i was like great there's like a minute of me peeing Uh, this is amazing so I did a lot of musical theater or well, just theater in general uh, in high school and college. And uh, one time I was in a projection of Feedy and the Beast and uh, <laughs> this is the best. So uh, right after the number Gaston, you know, uh, no one, I, I won't sing too much because the Disney corporation will come at your podcast. We can't pay those rights. Um, but they sing the song they get off and Gaston and LeFou who were best friends in real life uh, as well as they were in, in, the, in the play. They went off stage and they went into the the restroom and both lapel mics were still on. And so they start peeing as like Belle is trying to do the next scene. And like, (laughs) it's high school theater. So like people, like whoever was the sound person (laughs) didn't get to the board fast enough. And uh, they were like, Hey, we just like effing killed it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like you hear them flush, and everyone's just like, Whoa! oh my gosh! And it was, I, oh, I, do, I think it was the like maybe opening night. Like there was an audience, and it was like, are you? Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, that's amazing. It reminds me of AJR, uh, their hundred bad days. Do you know that song? A uh, hundred no. bad days made a hundred good stories. It's like that stuff in the moment you're so embarrassed, but it's like, that's the shit. Like you're having drinks yeah, with your friends. Yeah. Like right, one right. time that, yeah, that's I'm telling amazing. the story that happened to two people that weren't me, you know, 14. Yeah. Probably ago, easier like, for you to tell yeah. it than they, than they that's can. true. I guess, right. I've got no skin in the game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, one thing I've seen online is you are an yes. advocate for mental health 
uh, and for wellness. Big time. And uh, yeah. I was wondering, was there a moment uh, for you or has it been that that shifted you to want to talk about those things or has it sure. been a growing thing for you? So it's, again, um, I think like a lot of my psychology is very predictable. I have just like this great family. We're very close, very sitcom My Like two of my best friends in the whole world are my brothers. Two of my other best friends are my parents. Um, my, my mom is a shrink. She's been a therapist my whole life. And my dad is, um, he's he was a psychology and history teacher and uh, retired. He still is a tennis and a basketball coach. But so because of the psychology, th- there was always a lot of discussion of mental health and feelings and making sure that you talk through things in our life. And that was always um, highly prioritized. And, you know, I think looking back, I've probably battled anxiety my entire life. And when I say battling anxiety, I mean, like, I have general anxiety disorder. And like, you know, I remember being four and not being able to sleep because I was thinking about the fact that I was inevitably going to die someday and mm. what that meant. And, you know, and, and um, I think probably in retrospect should have been in therapy sooner. I probably should have been on some kind of medication sooner. But when I graduated from high school and it was the very mm. first time in my life, I've lived a very, very privileged suburban life. Um, you know, I, my family was never rich, but I've never needed anything ever. And, um, have had, uh, especially the first, you know, first good chunk of my life, very, very few dramas and uh, just very blessed life. Uh, but when I graduated high school, I, I suddenly started to really battle very serious depression for the first time because mm-hmm. I, I felt unsure of my future. I felt like I had to go to college because my parents had made it really clear that for the first time ever, really, that they would be disappointed in me if I didn't. You know, I don't think my parents would have cared at all if I uh, was gay or trans or anything like that. But like, you asked better go to, to college, college, they would have been very You don't care who you bring home, but. <laughs> and exactly. I think truly, truly. Um, I actually think at one point in time, there might have literally been a comment. <laughs> very, very close to that. Uh, and so there was just a lot of pressure and I really didn't know what I wanted to major in because I, I think a lot of the things I'm passionate about, I knew a college degree wouldn't yield um, financial rewards and spoilers. I was right that majoring in creative writing or, you know, music <laughs> or theater doesn't actually, yep. you know, uh, all it really leads to is a lot of debt. Um uh, Yep. And I, I was just very depressed about my future and 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 that that became a trend that just never went away. Something kind of unlocked in my brain at that point in time. And then I, I began really, in addition to my anxiety, battling depression, I think it's an experience a lot of people have where one begets more of the other. You don't do something because you're anxious and then you miss it and then you're depressed about it. And then because you feel bad, you're less likely to get off. Yeah, and it really is a, you know, um, Ouroboros, is that what it is? A snake eating its own tail? Um I think that's what it is. I'm not great at Latin or math. And, uh, you know, so so that was always something I was, um, you know, I, I would attempt to write about my music and things like that. And then um, in 2014, well, uh, my wife and I, we got married in 2013, uh, accidentally, uh, excitedly uh, made a honeymoon baby. And um, uh, she's Catholic. So it all worked out good, I guess, there. That was the plan, right? Um <laughs> Um, but yes, um, so, um, well, we gave birth to, uh, my son Ezra and he ended up dying when he was three days old of a very Mm -hmm. rare metabolic, um, condition called MCAD. 
And it turns out basically that Sarah and I are both carriers and that any offspring that we make has a one in four chance of, of, uh, of having it. And yeah. it's not, um, what's really frustrating. And I mean, I won't even get into the weeds on this cause it's just heavy and, uh, you know, a hard place to go when you're thinking, but like, it's actually very treatable. If, if you know that you have it, you just need to like, make sure the baby eats regularly. And by the hmm. time that the baby's about one or two, their body will handle stuff well enough that it's it becomes more like diabetes you just kind of have to manage blood sugars and things like that but when the body's that small um you really have to stay on top of it and unfortunately the uh the screenings for the condition just didn't come back in time and he passed and uh obviously that was devastating and and a whole bunch of different ways and i'll I'll spare details but i ended up uh developing uh post-traumatic stress disorder from that and um it took a minute to recognize that I had it. You know, I think actually funny is not the right word, but oddly enough, I think that TV shows and movies were like what made me realize I had it. I hmm. suddenly kept thinking about Jeremy Renner and the Hurt Locker and that scene where he's in, in the grocery aisle staring at all the yeah. cereal. And um, I felt like that all the time. Wow. And I... Uh, I started to have some some pretty bad flashbacks and um, I guess like what you would say kind of teeter on hallucination. I had, I had just kind of endless uh, hypervigilance and like, you know, a a car would drive by and, and I would, you know, scream like, what was that? You know? And um, finally was like, you know what? I I think I might actually have PTSD and uh, had to, so I went and uh, started seeing a therapist once a week, seeing a psychiatrist. Um, once every two or three weeks initially. And then, you know, uh, over time, less and less, I still see my therapist once a month and then check in with my psychiatrist <clears> regularly. <throat> but the big thing for me that I, the why I feel the need to advocate for it, I guess is twofold. I think the first is that, um, like I said, I, it took me a minute to even realize I, I had it, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I, I felt lucky to have those, the vocabulary established in movies and TV of what PTSD is is like and how it's visually portrayed and represented. I felt fortunate to have that and kind of felt like, well, I don't ever want, if, if, if I could ever help somebody else realize they have it or depression or anxiety or any kind of, you know, neuro atypicality that I, that I want to help with that. And then the second was that my journey of, you know, therapy is of course always going to be very hard for any kind of trauma or loss, uh, you know, PTSD aside, you know, mm-hmm. lose, losing um, a child, you know, uh, my wife, you know, doesn't have PTSD and of course had to go to therapy and, you know, process it her way, you know, as, as well. But um, right. I, for me, it was specifically the medication side of it. That was such a journey that I feel the need to be very vocal about because I wasn't here for about two years. I, I was on just a revolving door of medications. And I mean, we tried everything. We tried SSRIs, we tried uh, I was on lithium for a while. I mean, like we, we tried mood stabilizers, uh, all sorts of stuff and the way it would interact with my diet. I mean, like a whole separate thing is that like there were, there's one summer where I was on some mood stabilizers where the main side effect was weight gain. I gained 30 pounds and three months that I've still to kind of, to this day, really struggled to, to shed. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was a, it was a grueling, I, the fact that my wife, you know, was there at my side and, um, uh, being, you know, my best friend and a companion throughout all of it, my, my parents and my brothers, I, you know, I, I still, 
I, I always will now feel like I am living on borrowed time that I made it through there because I would say for about two years straight, I was just not here. I was suicidal pretty much every single day. I didn't want to live anymore um, in the middle of that. Not to be, I don't know. This is, sorry. We no, can you're can fine. we have like a fun discussion at the other half of this? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, this so, is, this is. They, well, but here's, but this is what's stuff, important, though. right? This is what's important, right? The sad clown this is a real thing. You know, like Robin Williams, like took his own life. And when that happened, I wept, not because Robin Williams died, but because mm. I was like, you relate. I get it. You know, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. Chester so, Bennington was the one when, cause I, I've dealt with uh, depression absolutely. and OCD throughout my life. And when he killed himself, I was like, fuck, it was literally his albums that got me through some of the darkest periods of my life. And he did it. Right. And right. So I feel because like- you have to get to that place. You, you have to find, you have to dig like, like you don't get one without the other. You just don't. Um, so, um, my, you know, the fact that everybody stuck with me long enough to find the right medications, to find the ones that make me feel like me, but like the better version of me, the happier, clearer version <laughs> of me. And and I, happiness, I don't mean that to be flipped because of course it's fine to feel sad. Of course it's fine to mourn. Right. But I was mourning all the time. I, it, like you can look at the sun and notice that the sun is beautiful. You can't stare at it or you're going to literally go blind. You, you, you can, you can glance at it and go, wow, the sky is beautiful, but you can't just stare at it, you know? And I think that when you're really grieving, um, I, my band, the way way back, we have this song called bad star. That's very, very personal to me. And it's, it's very much a song that I wrote to past me. The idea is that it's future me talking to past me saying, that, um, you know, this is what got me through and you have to hold on. And what I tried to be very genuine with the lyrics, because I, I think songs that talk about depression a lot of the time and, and suicidal thoughts are very like, hang in there, bud, because it's great on the other side. And when you're at the bottom of the well, you don't want to hear that. No, so instead, the lyrics help. are, you are not wrong. Things could not get any worse. This is <clears throat> actually rock bottom. You're right. You're not wrong. This is as shitty sorry we can cuss right no yes, i don't absolutely. know uh, this is a, this is as shitty as it's ever ever going to be you're right and you don't deserve this but you have to hang on and not lose track of who you are because someday it's going to hurt less bad and you're going to be glad that you did and right. um i heard this metaphor the other day that really blew my mind it's so simple it's so simple um but I, it blew my mind and the idea is that when you lose someone that your, your grief is, is a, is a box and you're carrying this box Mm. and in the box on the bottom is a button. And inside of the box is also a ball. And anytime the ball touches the button, your heart hurts. And when you first lose someone, the ball is so big, it's the size of the box Mm -hmm. and it never stops touching that button. And then slowly, but surely the ball deflates and gets smaller and it touches the bu- the button just a little bit less a little bit less but you can just your whole life you're gonna the box will never go away right the button will never go away the ball will never totally go away but it's gonna get smaller and smaller and you will find fewer and fewer moments where the ball shakes and you, you know like um i just actually uh i let's see well this it is not it's not totally relevant i know this podcast will come out in a couple of weeks but i personally just went through kind of the anniversaries of everything you know because mm-hmm. what's hard when you lose somebody who they're three days old uh their birthday and the day they died are the same week you know and so uh, the first week of march is always very very hard for me um and uh the the birthday in particular is hard because 
uh, I want to celebrate my son's life. I want to celebrate the fact that I got to meet my son and look at him in the eye and hold him. And, um, you know, I, I, that, that I got to experience that, um, because, uh, I think this is what I started to say earlier. And then I interrupted myself. Like, like, um, I think that's hard is, is that like, um, in addition to losing him, my wife and I, right after that, um, our, our next two pregnancies were, were miscarriages and, oh, wow. and, um, so it compounds so like, it. Um, yeah. And, and I think what's really interesting is I, you know, and I, I hate, I, I kind of try to be delicate when I talk about this part is that, that like people, people want, people always mean well, right. People are trying to comfort you and they're trying to help you. And, and I have had a handful of times where people go like, I know how you feel, man. Uh, we actually had a miscarriage and I'm like, well, we had a miscarriage too. And it does, I'm here to tell you that losing the, the yeah. living son that you held and took home from the hospital hurts. Well, reading, uh, reading worse. your, <laughs> and it's not reading green. your words mean, on you know, an anniversary of where you, you know, looked into his eyes and, and saw your own eyes, saw the eyes yeah, of your right. father. Like I got just that. reading and, and that almost freaked is, me down. Yeah. Well, and then what's hard about it is the reason it hurts more is because I got more and I don't ever want grief Olympics and I don't ever mean to diminish anybody else's grief. And, and I'm, I'm here to say also that like, if you know, if you've lost any of that, it hurts and it's horrible. But like you just said, that part, the beauty of it is what makes it hurt even worse. Mm-hmm. It make, it, you have, it causes both ends. The plurality, polarity of it is, uh, is inevitable, you know? And, and, and so I, I always want to celebrate his life and that I met him on his birthday. Um, but all of this is to say that I just constantly feel like I'm living on borrowed time because mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have people who love me and fought for me and to have my, my wife and my parents and my brothers and my friends and my therapist and, and, and uh, my psychiatrist who fought tooth and nail to keep me here. And not everybody has the set of privileges that I do. And if I can ever help even just make someone stay a little bit brighter, a little bit easier, if I can help someone who's fighting depression escape for 30 minutes because uh, they're seeing live music that I'm helping produce or or anything like that, then I I, I just feel truly called to that. I I, yeah. I feel like I'm living on borrowed time. You're not supposed to watch your kid die. Uh, and then you're definitely not supposed to make it through two straight years of suicidal thoughts. And uh, I did. And so now I feel like it is my my duty uh, to, to do whatever I can to help people who are fighting any, any kind of mental illness who are neuroatypical to, to you know, help help them feel less alone to, to mm-hmm. give them peace, to listen to them if they need to vent, you know? And um, I, yeah, I just, I feel truly called to it. It feels, it feels like I would be wasting my life and the, uh, the second chance that I was given, you know, I feel like Ebenezer Scrooge, if uh, after all, I've seen all three ghosts, he just went by humbug. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have Christmas morning. You gotta go buy the biggest <laughs> turkey or, or whatever he does. He does. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a powerful thing for you to be talking about it and pushing out there. I think our culture has shifted more and more. I know back when I was dealing with depression, OCD and those things, like I hit it from every single person because no one was talking about it. I viewed it as this weakness. I didn't even know how, it took years to battle through it, especially mainly because I was so quiet about it. Um, and, sure. it, but I think it's a, a powerful thing, a great thing that, that you're speaking about that. And I love that box analogy. Um, and, and it's I, crazy, right? Yeah. It's so simple, but it like, it, sh- I cried, I cried when right. I read it. I was like, Oh no, that's too real. Well, and it makes yeah. sense. Cause I think people, when they're grieving, they want to, I I've wanted to push through the grief and like get out on the other side. But the reality is what you said like the box never goes away. Maybe the ball gets smaller. Like I remember I, I shared with you through text that I lost a sister. And I think it's, 
when she was like three months old yeah. from SIDS. And obviously I think there's a difference, like knowing, like having kids of my own, like I can only imagine what it's like then to lose a child of your own. So it's not necessarily the same. But, but same, I mean, I have siblings, it's the same to lose a sibling. Like, like grief always is going to be different. You right. know, that's what I mean when I say, like, I don't ever want the grief Olympics. I don't ever want yeah. that. Yeah. When I, I think that's the thing where it was like into my twenties. And when I, the, like, I actually had a very similar journey where it was like college age, where the floor fell out from under me and all the anxiety. I was the kid. Uh, it's crazy to hear. I, I've yet to meet someone until now. Uh, that was a little child worrying about dying. Like I, I was, Always. I was like, when I could write, I was writing out a will, putting it under my bed, who got my stuffed animals and shit like that, which I, was normal to me, but I found out that wasn't, that wasn't as normal <laughs> for, for a lot of other people. Yes, yes. And, uh, but that it came to head in my college years, wrestling with all all these things. And then I remember I went to visit my sister's grave and now this is damn near 20 years after she passed away. And I had a pullover from the highway, just broke down crying. It was like, I, I was grieving in yet a new way. Um, but it, it sure. but like and you the shared, button got pushed like, and you can't, you yeah. can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a piece too, of for people grieving. It's like, that's always like, I still sometimes wonder what it'd be like to, to call my sister who's supposed to be, you know, this old now is supposed to be doing oh, yeah. similar things and uh, it, losing a child, losing a sibling so young. It's like, it's all those dreams. It's all those expectations yeah. it's the, that are gone. Yes, that's, 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 that's always what's going to be the hardest is the, the potential, the, the energy, you know, the inertia that that's just gone. I, uh, the, the, the thought that I always, this is a, a dark one, but I, I, I have had this thought and I, I will someday I will crack this and, I think make maybe my most important piece of art I've ever made. Um, not to sound pretentious, but because I need it for me. <laughs> um, uh, the thought of that my favorite people in the whole world are my daughters and that m the people who I know and love wouldn't be the same if my son were still alive. Mm -hmm. And that like, that is like the most complicated burns to touch it thought that I do yeah. want to distill into art someday is this idea that like, my daughter has oldest child energy, you know, mm. like, like birth order is real. I've watched right. it happen over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> she would be a different person with the middle child and I would never want her to change. And so there's, there's some really complex thing in there that I'm, I'm going to crystallize it someday, but I, yeah. it's right now it's still too hot to touch, but someday I'll, I'll write a song or a movie or uh, I, I don't know, make shadow puppets or something. I'll, I'll There's, I wish I could remember the name. I'll try to name of this movie. I'll try to look it up and find it. I'll text you, but, um, it, it's a, it's like a romantic comedy, but this guy discovers that his, him and all the men in his family can th travel through time. And so as, oh, as he goes, this you, is very bizarre. It's called, it's about time yes. right? or about time. Yeah. With oh, like the redheaded do and this in there. having, yeah. Uh, yes. Who plays, uh, Hux in, in uh, the new star Wars trilogy. Um, <laughs> Domino, Domino Gleason is his name. Nice. Um, so you know it. Okay. There you go. I know. Well, I know it, but I haven't seen it. And this is what's so fascinating is, um, I believe it's called Biner Meinhof syndrome when like something gets brought to your attention and then mm -hmm. like you're you're looking for a new car and you decide I'm going to buy a red Honda Civic and all of a sudden you see red Honda Civics everywhere. everywhere. This movie has come up six or seven times for me in the last month. So I have to watch it now. Well, and I think it, it, it dives into that topic. I won't say any more yeah. because you're already planning on watching sure. it then uh, to ruin sure. it. But sure, sure, sure. man, it dives yeah. deep into it to I'll where it great. fucked me up thinking about it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Okay, cool. cool. Well, diving into the um, last two. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It sounded like no, you were about to say I, something. Well, 
we can keep saying heavy, but I wanted to talk about something fun at some point. But right. uh, you're the host. You're the <laughs> it's all good. Well, I, I think I'm used to being the host. No doubt. I am the captain now. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's that's what's fun when you get other like like uh, hosts or people who are like band leaders or something. It's sure. like you get in the room, then you all just start grappling over what it is because it's it's just built into us so um it's why it's crazy that we got as many beatles records as we did you're like <laughs> how did paul and john not kill each other drugs. like how did we get as many yeah that's true <laughs> and specifically like drugs that chill you out yes but yeah like you look at you're like the fact that we got more than three beatles records is insane. <laughs> hallucinogenics uh from what i understand can <laughs> yeah yeah can you're right, take you're you through right. a, a journey of letting go i think um but so last two questions i think they they can be uh, uh, very fun in a way, but this, this concept, this idea of live and create, uh, I love yeah. the, the philosophical things that we dive into and that we've already gotten into, but if you had to define it right now, starting with the first question, what does it mean to you currently to live a great life? Yeah. So for me, it, it's all about, um, making sure that you're a net positive source of light. I think that, um, there's this really beautiful lyric from a My Chemical Romance song called The Kids From Yesterday that I, I think if I were ever to get a song lyric tattooed, uh, not I don't know if I have that kind of energy, but if I were, I think I would get the quote, uh, you only live forever in the lights you make. And mm. I think that um, it's really, really important to be a net positive on the world and that currently, I think we all have a lot of outlets to accidentally create more darkness than we recognize. Mm. I think that when we're on social media and things like that, there is this snarky shorthand and this quick reaction to, you know, call someone an idiot and things like that because you get to hide behind a screen a little bit. You're like, people are, and this is a good thing, but like, I, I'm a bartender and I, I watch, or, you know, well, occasionally a bartender, one of my hats. Um, what... I see people have very nuanced, heavy conversations at, at at bars that on social media would instead just turn into, well, you're an idiot, block, right. and or or you know, or worse. And um, I, I wish that people would treat others online the way they would to each other's faces because and i don't mean that like in a like i don't mean that in like a nickelback song like meet me up bad gonna cheat me like a fresh like i i just mean like truly like um like would you be that mean to someone if you're in the same room as them and right. had to deal with the consequence of watching them cry then don't say it and and i think that we have a lot of ability to to create light and dark on these platforms that we don't even think about and, um, you know, to, to, to go on and, and to like, there's an a news article that's like, this, this is happening. And then you're like, get a job, you bomb. Like that, that's not helping anyone, you know? And so um, I think a good life is, is when, when you die, you can point to the fact that you made a lot more light than you made dark. And we're all going to make some dark uh, and, and, and it, it's going to happen. And it's an unavoidable, nobody's perfect, but like, um, you know, I think you should try to be the 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 inverse of Hitler. You know, like like try to positively <laughs> impact as many lives uh, uh, bef before you go uh, right. as Hitler did negatively. That's that's like the supreme uh, life lived is, is to just generate enough light. And I think really, really like the gold medal, like you you win life 
if you create people, and I don't mean having children necessarily, but if you can create, uh, you know, a handful of people who you're going to leave behind that are going to generate more light because they knew you and because how, hmm. how you taught them to make light. Um, because if you if you leave four or five people behind like that and they leave four or five people, you know, the, the light over. I'm a big Star Wars fan and the blue and the green lightsabers just have to take down the red. That's what you got to do. <laughs> I love that, too. The what did you say? The 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 lyric. You only live forever in the lights. Oh, you, create. you only live forever in the lights you make. Yeah. And yeah. Man, that's that right there. It's like I just want to sit with that for a minute. That's so that's powerful. Oh yeah, the, I remember <laughs> where I was the first time I heard that song. Like I like I kind of got distracted and didn't pay attention to the rest of the song. <laughs> You're like, all this oh, is not happening because that, that floored me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's huge. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, and then uh, the last question: If you had to define creating great things right now in your life, uh, how would you sure. do it? Wow. Um, well, I think a big thing is that right now sincerity is really underrated and like um i don't know i think we're just so quick to be snarky and consider things saccharine and and and, and write off anything that's not edgy or biting and you know and i love stuff like that you know like i love game of thrones game of thrones is like teetering on nihilism you know and and, <laughs> and i i think for me personally, because I also think that a, a life well lived is, is where you generate light, I think it's probably making art and, um, you know, I use that very broadly. I mean, I think that could mean making somebody a really nice cocktail and serving it with a smile. It could mean Absolutely. writing a really good song. But I, I think that um, I, I think that, that could you rephrase the exact question? Cause I want to answer so, it precisely. Yeah. If you I'm had to define it, its definition in my brain. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. If I how, had to define how, it. Yeah. How would you define creating a great life right now in your life? Or I'm sorry. Wait, I, great I, life that was the, no. Okay. I, I messed it up. I, I uh, <laughs> and I'm just going to keep that in. Cause you know, hey, that's what I do. Why not? But uh, yeah. how would you define creating great things? Yeah. Great things. Great things. Yeah. So I think a great thing is going to be something that causes people to, to think about the world in a different way uh, from a perspective of curiosity, I think. Mm -hmm. it, um, and um, that could mean making a piece of art that makes people think about an experience that uh, they hadn't considered before, a viewpoint that they hadn't thought before. But it could also just mean, um, wow, like again, using like a cocktail as a piece of art, like, wow, this, that was so good. It makes me want to know what, what kind of rum was in that? What is that rum like? What does that rum taste like by itself? And a good piece of music is like that too. You know, you hear the song, you know, like, that was a great song. The guitar tone was exceptional. What, what kind of guitar is that guitar is playing? Oh, the guitarist is playing a Mexican Telecaster. What, like, what do those tend to sound like? So I think, um, creating good art, creating good things is, is to create something that causes curiosity and follow-up <laughs> questions that uh, that I think will, in, as a result, the inertia will carry on to the person who encountered it and then want to create new things themselves. I love it, man. Curiosity. That's a, I would say that's the first time someone's defined it uh, in the length of the podcast. And that's, I love it. That's really cool, man. Curiosity, well, you know, killed the cat, helped the human. Yeah. <laughs> well, let everyone know where they can find all that you're up to. Yeah. So I want to plug this really exciting thing because I think this drops on St. Patrick's Day. Is that right? This one? Um, this episode? Uh, this, we're about three weeks out, three, three and a half weeks out from episodes dropping from when it's recorded. So I don't Do you know, know the date. 
Um, I don't oh. know the date specifically. Well, then maybe it's already happened. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> maybe it already happened. Well, I'll plug something in the past. It probably still lives in some form, but <laughs> I, I am in the midst of creating a really, really cool project that I want everyone to check out, even if it's already happened, because you'll still be able to engage with it in certain ways. But um, I, I was given one of the coolest jobs I've ever had in my entire life, which was booking um, 12 bands and four stand-up comedians for a week-long online music and comedy festival for the Pitch Podcast Network That's called awesome. Seven Days of St. Patrick. And I know that the videos are going to live online. I think on the Pitch website, they also, by the time this comes out, might be living on um, an, an app called Sound District, but they're, they're going to be somewhere. You're going to be able to find them. But I got to work with so many incredible musicians and uh seeing all that music was so cool working with alex garnett and and ben mcbee and jacob roberts to, to make it all happen has just like like truly been like one of the coolest things i've ever done in my life to go from no music at all um over the last year to watching 10 bands in two days i'm like I'm, <laughs> i was so tired but it was so great so please 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 check that out i think you can get there surely somewhere on the pitch website the pitch uh we'll we'll have it uh you can follow me on twitter at hey Shotzi, hey, underscore Shotzi. I deleted the app for my mental health, but I do check in periodically. And usually if I tweet, I'd say like, gonna start a band called Emotional Royal Coaster Tycoon or things like that. <laughs> um, and then the, what I would really, really like to plug the hell out of, um, I guess also you can listen to my band The Way Way Back if you like pop punk or like if you ever went to Warp Tour, we'll probably be your cup of tea. We're a lot like Blink-182 meets New Fun Glory, I guess. And but the thing I'm so passionate about that I, I would just love it if, if I could get, if you listen to podcasts and you like listen, I mean, like a lot of the people who you interview have been featured right. on my podcast <laughs> and your music has been featured on my podcast. It's called OPE Radio, O-P-E exclamation point radio. As we said, you know, on top, it's the, oh, going to sneak past you real quick. Introduce you <laughs> some new music because that's what us Midwesterners say. We can't get it out. It's like how like people from uh, New England say hot dog instead of hot dog. We say up, uh, Ope. Um, Ope Radio, it's on the Pitch Podcast Network work every monday i drop a new episode i play 10 songs by 10 local artists it's very eclectic my goal is to provide context because i think the hardest thing about finding new music is context i think you're more likely to check out a band that your friend recommends to you mm -hmm. and you're more likely to check them out if you hear like they kind of sound like jimmy Eat world meets death cat for cutie and you're like i love jimmy Eat world and death cat for cutie i want to listen to it so i try to be that friend for you i try to be your older brother who introduces you to cool new music that's all local um nicole thank you so much for having me on the podcast yeah, thanks for, I, it was uh, awesome man really appreciate it and uh I, sometime uh i'll have you on on mine and and um, we'll, we'll talk detailed about your music and all that but i, I think it. it's really cool that you're having these conversations with people and i love um i love the angles that you you come from i'm truly a fan of the podcast so it's, it's been well, an honor you, to be on it and uh i i just love what you're doing and um so thank you on behalf of i speak for all of the listeners right guys <laughs> um thanks thanks for doing it well i appreciate it, man i love what you're doing it's inspiring and uh yeah I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be, uh, adding all that in the notes and then they can go to that. So it'll be awesome, man. All of those thousand words I just said. Good. <laughs> well, no, no, just, just your links, just your links. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the live and create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The live and create podcast.